if we can be assured that uh, a product is from a good source where we take care of the oceans, where we take care of the fishermen, then the fun topic starts. Then we can cook with it and enjoy it and, and eat it. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Whether you're on the end of the line, working in a processing factory, delivering fish to a chef, or cooking and serving seafood in a restaurant, there's something about seafood that sets it apart from terrestrial foods. Seafood is without doubt the most distinctive, special, and downright deliciously addictive of all the foods. It also engenders great memories and has great stories to tell. While many of us love the flavour and texture of beautifully cooked fish and seafood and realise that many nutritional benefits of eating this lean form of protein, most of us don't cook much fish ourselves at home. We might buy some salmon or ling once a fortnight and cook the same old recipe, or throw some prawns into a stir-fry every now and then. But we don't always consider fish or seafood a staple item on our shopping lists, and we don't necessarily know enough about it to really feel confident buying it or cooking it with regularity. Adding to the dilemma of handling seafood is the issue of sustainability. Nothing causes more heated debate than the issue of sustainability in seafood production. For most of us, the argument is an emotional one because we're so far removed from fisheries practice and data collection on which sustainability is based. In addition, the increasing number of agencies involved and differences of opinion as to what actually constitutes sustainability have made the issue ever more confusing. In a world of such confusion, it's a welcome relief to come across someone who both celebrates how delicious and nutritious seafood can be but who is also using his enthusiasm and media presence to build a deep and genuine understanding of how to enjoy seafood sustainably. Bart van Alpen is a Dutch chef turned fishmonger, turned media celebrity, turned sustainable seafood advocate. So my name is Bart van Alpen, uh, based in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. I think it all started when I finished the hotel management school in The Hague was around the mid 90s 96 97 and uh, so after um, being graduated on this management uh, um, school I uh, I felt that I was not well uh, cooking uh, well enough so I decided to move to uh, to Paris with a Michelin guide under my arm and uh, trying to uh, to access uh, uh, any of the three-star Michelin restaurants. So there I started, worked there for two years. And basically there it was where I, well, can I say, uh, fell in love with seafood. Um, I was used to cook uh, a lot with meat and veggies and, and making sauces. But it was in Paris that I discovered all these different species and discovered how easy it basically is to cook with. And uh, so after Paris, I moved back to Amsterdam and starting my first fishmongers. And uh, the aim was to, to sell seafood, to sell fish with a story. As this is the only food product we still massively capture out of wild, I found it really interesting that behind every product there is an amazing story. So uh, that's what I started in Amsterdam. Um, and basically, yeah, it was, was because of I, uh, I worked these years in Paris and discovered all these uh, different species and, and cooking techniques. Uh, so I uh, wanted to create some awareness here in Amsterdam where we were used to only eat like some of the species, cook it, well, more or less always in the same way, trying to do it differently. Yeah, so that's where it all started. 
Combining a love for cooking and eating seafood seems like a simple enough mission. Turning this into a commercial career as a fishmonger is a tough assignment. And although the per capita consumption of seafood in Holland is higher than in Australia, converting a staid consumer to try new and different fish species was a tough assignment for Bart. If you would visit Amsterdam and the Netherlands, you would discover it's quite a traditional fish market. So when we want to explore new species or recipes, it often happens in the restaurants. Uh, and not at home. So we are used to the maatjes. We eat a lot of maatjes, which is herring. It's it's going to be in season in, what is it, 10 days from now. Uh, we do a lot of fried fish, deep fried fish, battered fish. We more or less c- can compare our, our consumptions, fish uh, consumption with the, with the UK market. So it's quite basic. It's good, but it's not very, um, there is not a huge variety. And uh, so... When I started my fishmongers, it was more based on what people ordered in the restaurant. So, for example, scallops or monkfish or oysters or, well, these kind of species were not used to be uh, sold in at fishmongers in Amsterdam. So these were the early days and uh, it, it, it quite, in the beginning, it, it, it already started quite uh, hopeful and, and successful. Uh, Yeah, until that moment that I became aware of the fact of sustainable and non-sustainable fish. Being an early advocate for selling only sustainable seafood to a traditional seafood consumer demanded an extra level of commitment and drive from Bart. Not only was there no particular presence of sustainable seafood in his local wholesale market, but there was, like most parts of the world at the time, a limited understanding for what the concept of seafood sustainability meant. Realising that I did the hotel management school, that I was uh, travelling a lot. I mean, I saved money when I was 16, 17 to eat at Bocuse and and Michel Guerard and all the three-star Michelin restaurants. So I was really into gastronomy. I was really into fish and then I ended up in Paris it was only in 2004 that it was for me the first time that I heard about the fact there is non-sustainable and sustainable fish so I found that quite um, surprising especially because again fish is the only food product we still massively capture out of wild so why don't we take care and 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 it was the moment that the WWF entered my fishmongers at the early morning and, and, and this lady told me like, uh, well, are you aware or asked me, are you aware of the fact that 80% of what's on your fish counter here right now is from a non-sustainable source? And I was in shock. I was in shock. So the next moment I, I ring my fish supplier and uh, ask him, uh, uh, could you please supply me sustainable fish? And his simple answer was like, all fish is sustainable. Or another supplier said, um, well, everything what comes out of the sea comes out of the sea. So it's just, so it was really a different era compared to now. And um, yeah, well, it was, was just uh, strange, uh, strange to become aware of it. Um, but then when, when my suppliers couldn't supply me with certified, so... That was just the years after the MSC was be- becoming a bit more popular. Um, I decided to uh, to travel towards these fisheries because my fish supply could supply me. So I thought I'm going to get it myself. So my first trip was to Hastings in the south of UK, where they fished for Dover sole and mackerel MSC certified. Um, 
Yeah, so I, 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 uh, my decision was to, to get it myself, and this is where my journey started. Building a consistent supply of sustainable seafood demands a disciplined commitment to seeking out fisheries worldwide, working with catchers from around the globe to ensure ongoing availability. It, it, it all ended in, in something what I'm still doing today, so which is, uh, what is it? almost 20 years uh, later but uh, um, the first trip was I rented the van and I went to Hastings and we bought Doversol uh, in, 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 in crates and, 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 and drove back to Amsterdam which is uh, what is it, an 8 hour drive you need to take the, the, the tunnel uh, under the channel and uh, wait for the fish or go, go out and fish with them um, so it was the worst business model ever, <laughs> but um, um, it ended up also because it was also at the same time um, when Albertheim, which is the biggest retailer in the Netherlands, took uh, out all their red listed species. So, you know, the, 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 the green, the, the orange, the, the, the red, what is it? The wallet, uh, little paper where, where consumers can well, be aware of what's sustainable, what's non-sustainable. So Albert Heijn, the retailer, took out these species, So, and they took out Doversol. And that was the moment I phoned Albert Heijn and said, well, I've got some uh, MSC-certified Doversol, su- sustainable, sustainably caught. And they say, no, it's impossible. I said, well, join me. So we, they joined me in my van to Hastings again. And this is where the big show started. So uh, um, this... Uh, because I got the retailer as a client next to my, at that moment, already five fishmongers, uh, the business model became more interesting. So, um, yeah, that's where, where the big thing started. And uh, also the moment when I started to travel the world because I was fascinated by all these fishing communities. So I started to, well, fish, live and cook with them. And that's also where my uh, where my cookbooks and my TV show started to uh, well created the awareness towards consumers in in the Netherlands and Europe that we should make a, a right choice in terms of uh, what species to use and what sources to use to cook seafood. From setting up a sustainable supply chain, Bart's journey across the world of seafood now involves constant travel to fisheries across the globe building relationships and friendships as much as supply. Yeah, well, Hastings was an easy choice because we I just well, listed the 16, 16 MSC certified fisheries and Hastings was the closest one. So that's the reason for Hastings. But then soon when I was telling these stories into magazines and on TV and sort of, well, a publisher asked me to, to make that, 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 that traveling and cookbook. Well, um, so yeah, uh, Alaska. I take you to Imonic, which is at the Yukon River. It's an amazing fishing community, uh, 900 inhabitants. Uh, 60% of them are fishing for salmon. It's their only source of income during the whole year, two months a year. But they catch the most delicious, oily salmon you would ever taste. It's, it's, it's fantastic. But this community is amazing. I mean, you take the, uh, the fly to Anchorage. The only way to get there is, well, by private plane. Uh, a charter plane and, and, and it will take you two, three hours to, to Imonic. It's so remote, but it's amazing. Um, well, and the story when I came there is that they, did, they didn't get a better price than a Norwegian farm salmon, which is common here in Europe. Now they get double the price or almost double. So through that 
awareness creation, I think uh, these fishermen also got like a certain position, not only through me, also New England Seafood did a great job in the UK. Um, Maldives, so if you go for tuna, um, uh, the first uh, MSC certified tuna fishery pull on line, skipjack fishery, was in Maldives. So you go to another remote island. We know them from the beautiful beaches and the resorts, but there are local islands, which they're amazing. Um, um, what else? To to Nova Scotia for for lobster, for um, to South Africa for Hague, and of course to Australia, <laughs> where, yeah. where I did this amazing, um, well, you have amazing fish, you have amazing seafood, but I went there for prawns. And, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Australia for 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 the the the, the beautiful sources for for fish and seafood, and how you treat fish is amazing too. And how to cook? Yeah, we can learn a lot from you guys. Yeah. Bart Van Offen was not only one of the earliest advocates of the Marine Stewardship Council Sustainable Seafood Certification, but he's been one of its longest-serving and loudest supporters. So it was the WWF who, who came into my fishmongers that day, but as very soon I got in contact with the Marine Stewardship Council because, well, I found it important to have like a third party, independent party, uh, um, approving fisheries. So when I would do the book... Um, and I was telling about sustainability, it should be a third party. And same with products, third party uh, certifying. So, yeah, from the very beginning, I remember here in the Netherlands, so the first MC certified seafood product was, were the fish fingers from Iglo. But the second until the 42nd product were all from, from my brand. Uh, those days it was called Fishes, now it's Fish Tails, but... Um, so fishes, uh, we, yeah, we got the, the, the second until the 42nd MSC certified product on the retail market here in, in, in the Netherlands. So that underlines, uh, well, uh, that I, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the Marine Seaship Council. Um, not on every single aspect. I think it's, it's the very best existing. Uh, uh, today for wild caught seafood and uh, in 99% of the cases I agree with them and sometimes we have a, <laughs> a healthy dialogue yeah so uh, and, and that dialogue is more related to uh, to tuna so I believe that tuna should be caught by pull online one by one that's the most selective way of fishing tuna and I cannot agree I mean it's more sustainable than the huge vessels but I cannot agree with, with per se uh, fishing on tuna because it still contains a, 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 a bycatch but no I'm, I'm a big fan of the Marine Search Council and uh, um, I really, really would recommend every uh, every consumer to uh, to look out for the logo when buying wild caught seafood Bart is a passionate sustainable fishing advocate who shares his love of seafood his knowledge of both sourcing and cooking with his catcher suppliers. He combines his knowledge and entrepreneurial skills to help the fishers improve both their catch quality and their income. A part of our revenue goes into the Fishtails Foundation. Um, so with our foundation, we, uh, and it's only a, uh, founded a few years ago. So our first project was uh, Bitung in Indonesia, so not far away from here, from Australia. So it's in North Sulawesi, Sulawesi. And um, it's here where there is a fishing community um, uh, catching skipjack tuna by pull online. 
But the moment we jumped in that project, uh, it was not MSC certified yet. Um, and uh, so we, we, we supported them to become MSC certified. It was, well, as you know, there are three pillars for the MSC. So it's the, the fish stocks and they seem to be okay. The fishing technique, well, it's the most selective pollen line, but the management needed to be improved. So we improved that. But along the way, it was, and that's the second thing, and, and, and I will more emphasize on that topic these days than on the marine biology, which is the social economical part. We need to realize that, um, um, well, if you only look at, uh, 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 take a look at, at Cantuna, it's a, it's a 8.5 million US dollar business. And um, over 90% is from a non-sustainable source in terms of marine biology. It's called by per saying, it's, it's uh, huge vessels, it's huge production. But also what we need to take into account is uh, that most of the fishing communities are within developing countries. So first, 10 to 12% of the world population is directly uh, related to fishing or fish farming. 90%, nine zero of them are living in developing countries and we need to take care of them. So where I'm very proud of is that with this fishery in Bitung, we on, didn't only get them MSC certified, but also since six months, uh, uh, fair trade certified. So... Um, we believe, or I believe, if we take good care of the fishermen, they will take good care of the oceans. And uh, so it should be a mutual thing in the future. It's marine biology and it's socioeconomics. So that's one of the projects uh, I, I, yeah, I worked on a lot for the last years and proud to have these products now on shelf with MSC and Fairtrade certified. For many, the sustainability discussion has a singular environmental focus. Whilst this is, of course, an imperative, the concept of social and commercial sustainability are just as important. The fair trade movement has been a catalyst to change in the working conditions for workers in the coffee and cocoa trade for many years. BART is now championing its role in the seafood industry. It's not a big thing yet in seafood. Um, so, and it's a process. So where I think the MSC or uh, marine biology is a determination on facts and figures based on the amount of fish uh, uh, in the ocean and how to capture it uh, is uh, and its effect it's it's green or it's red and with fair trade the socioeconomics is more a process so you start somewhere and this somewhere can contain for example um, the working hours or the amount of days at sea or safety at sea a salary the freedom to express your opinion, uh, which is very important. I mean, if you would get a contract or, uh, yeah, an employee would get its contract, you need to have the right to, to have a dialogue on it, right? Or, or at least to, to, to get an explanation. And um, uh, pregnancy. So for a woman in the factory, so it's not only based on fishing, but also on the, on the factory there. Um, yeah, so so there are many pillars where we're working on and 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 have improved. Um, 
And and for us, it all sounds very logical, the points I was just mentioning, but it's the opposite in, in, in these kind of countries. If you look at, uh, at the bigger, bigger processing uh, uh, companies, and I'm not going to mention their names, but they are, it, those are factories at sea. Uh, it's not rare that, that, that workers are there for months in the middle of the sea or but they're not treated well. They don't get the right food. They get, don't get healthy food. They work for, for too many hours. And uh, all for the reason that we don't want to pay uh, uh, the right amount for a can of tuna. And uh, so I believe when we can, can create that awareness with consumers, consumers will be ready to pay well. And in your currency, different, but, but here it's like 10 cents or 20 cents extra for a can of tuna when it's where we take well care of port fishermen and workers, yeah. Although it seems that hipster bars and restaurants have only recently discovered the beauty of preserved seafood, canned tuna is the single largest traded finished food product in the world, with a commercial value in excess of $35 billion. Bringing a sustainable and quality focus to the most industrial part of the seafood market is a David to Goliath-like challenge. I was just uh, telling you about my early days in Paris, so I love fresh, fresh fish. Uh, I, I, I would never, ha- would never, never had eaten a can until that moment. I became aware of it, but for me, fresh fish was everything. And uh, I mean, if you live, live on the coast, uh, you're, you have an e- easy access to it. But uh, no, so where it started is uh, my travels to the Mediterranean countries, so uh, France and Italy and Spain and Portugal. And I saw these cans and every now and then I tasted them and they were okay. They were, they were lovely and uh, they were good. Uh, but maybe because it were my early days too, I didn't have that budget to spend for the, for the better brands. But it was at, the mo- in, at a certain moment in France with a lady called Marie Beffillon and she's living in Brittany and she owns a uh, conserverie, uh, which is a cannery and a, a, a soup factory. She makes she makes lovely soup, la sablaise. Um, but she went. So when I left uh, the office, she gave me a can of sardines um, to take back to Amsterdam. And uh, I said, "Well, thank you. I'm going to uh, come, uh, eat this tonight with a good glass of wine." She said, no, but don't do that. I said, "Why not?" And she said, "Well, just first have it in your pantry, and you turn the can upside down every three months. So after three months." You turn it again after three months, like with a bottle of wine, and then you taste it after four years. And I thought, well, this is an amazing story. This is canned fish. There's so much more going on behind that little can than I know. And uh, so then I dived really deep into the canned uh, uh, fish, and uh, and it's lovely. I mean, I wrote two books about it. It's a great thing. It's uh, easy to cook with. It's well, wherever you are, even hundreds of miles off coast, uh, but then inland, sorry, you can uh, consume it. It's, it has a shelf life of over four years. You don't need the fridge. It's affordable. Um, and it's already cooked for you. So you add some crunchiness, some colors, some acidity, some, and you can create fantastic dishes with it. But it's a different mindset. So don't compare it with, with, with fresh fish because it's cooked. So if you cook a fresh fish, it's going to be the same experience as canned. So... This is where it started, and um, yeah, and nowadays I've got a, uh, a, a big assortment of a large uh, extended assortment of all kinds of species, canned, 
and uh, and 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 where we try also to uh, to create that awareness again. So with the QR code, you enter the fisheries, you you know exactly where the fish has been caught, where it's processed, how it's processed, and what you can uh, and, and inspiration how you can cook with it. Yeah. So, but there it started. It's Marie in in in, in Brittany. That was the the one who uh, <laughs> brought me into this new world. For a global seafood journeyman like Bart, there is no such thing as a typical day. From working on a boat in Sulawesi, encouraging fishermen to sustainable practices, to presenting a TV show in London, Bart's life is one continuous wet, cold journey across the world of seafood. Well, there are no typical days, uh, because every day is different than it has to do. Well, of course, two, two and a half years when uh, we had this more... Uh, or less of a, of a lockdown, uh, especially a lockdown, uh, not traveling, not be able to travel again. So, but since a few months, we, uh, uh, yeah, we are able to travel. So, what I do a lot is um, uh, when I, so every Monday, Tuesday, uh, I'll be in Amsterdam. Uh, I'm with my kids then and uh, working until three in the afternoon. And uh, which will be mainly office work during my emails. And then from the Wednesday until the weekend, or after the weekend, it's often uh, traveling. And um, it has partly to do with the commercial side. So we have uh, Fishtails as a brand here in Europe, where we uh, sell our canned, but also fresh uh, fish into the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany, Switzerland. We will start UK soon. And we have our Fishtails brand, uh, uh, no, we have our Seatails brand, because Fishtails was already existing in the U.S. So Seatails, we, uh, we, we started in, in the U.S. with Seatails with two years ago, which is going really well. So we are in 12 retailers, and my main goal or my main task is to expand the U.S. market. And we are quite successful there. And I think in terms of sustainability and, and, and awareness with the consumer, they might be like five until 10 years behind of, well, uh, Netherlands, Germany, uh, Switzerland. So, um, yeah, my aim there is to create this, uh, this, this revolution. Revolution might be a big word, but, yeah, we aim for it in terms of, of the consumption of seafood from non-sustainable or non-aware non-awareness with the consumer into more sustainable and, and awareness with the consumer. So my books have been translated, published in the U.S. I do TV shows there, and uh, and we try to expand uh, the amount of products on, on shelf right there. Yeah, so that's the, the commercial side. The non-commercial commercial is more like in, in terms of sales and marketing. The other side is traveling. So I just came back uh, one and a half week ago from Sulawesi, Sulawesi from our fishery where I went fishing with them for three days. Uh, we'll do Alaska in two weeks. No, what is it? Uh, uh, one and a half month from now, sorry, end of July. So um, we'll, uh, we'll do uh, Kodiak Island and uh, Yakutat. So that will be, uh, will be Alaska. So it's a mix of traveling, uh, commercial marketing, but also building the content. For many of us who have seen the seafood supply industry change over the years, the next generation of catchers and cooks are being presented with an exciting future from the seafood industry. With a modern consumer who has a greater level of knowledge and access to information about seafood than ever before, 
the future promises to be not only exciting, but challenging. Because of that, we have more knowledge what's going on, not only underwater, but also the industry. So we become uh, more as a consumer, but also other people in the, in the industry who would like to create a better world is that there's much more transparency and because of this transa- transparency and the knowledge and the technology we know more what's uh, going on how we, and how we can improve it and how we can enjoy it more because I think if, a, if we can be assured that uh, a product is from a good source where we take care of the oceans where we take care of the fishermen then the fun topic starts then we can cook with it and enjoy it and, and eat it and, and have fun with it and and and, and I mean, fishing is fascinating. Cooking fish is, is fantastic. Eating fish is the most delicious thing on earth. So, so uh, as soon as we know that the so- we well organize the source, and this is what's happening more and more, and uh, I'm, I'm following what's happening in Australia. I think what you guys are doing is amazing. And, uh, um, and, and uh, yeah, I think that that's, 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 we should take a few more steps for different parts in the world, but... At the end, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that after a few years from now, well, maybe a decade, that, that, that every single fish we eat is from a good source. And what we don't eat is not, well, we need to, uh, uh, to make sure it, it increases again in terms of, 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 the health, of the fish stocks. But what we eat, uh, we can eat, uh, well, without a, how would I say, uh, guilty feeling. No, it, yeah, and that's the thing. It's also how it started. Maybe often people ask me, "Why do you save the oceans?" I said, "I don't. I'm not saving the oceans. I just make sure that we can enjoy fish forever, and therefore we need to save our oceans." And, and maybe one thing I'm, I, I want to mention is is um, so we talk. We, well, if, if we speak right now, we talk in in terms of sustainability and, and socioeconomics, more on the marine biology. But I think there is a great thing happening uh, um, in in your town with Josh Nyland and and where he's well um, inspiring so many people around the globe. So what we eat right now is just this this fillet, right? So but there's so many things to eat from a fish more than just that fillet. So if we calculate the yield currently, it's forty five, fifty percent, maybe what we eat out of a fish. Let's say if we can make that sixty or seventy percent. Um, we we catch enough fish right now to to feed the world in terms of wild fish. Uh, maybe not, yeah, uh, maybe not for the future. But there is farmed fish too, of course. There is maybe some some plant based uh, uh, ingredients too to get out of the sea. But I think we can get much more out of the same fish we catch than we we consume today. Yeah. So from uh, the more commercial marketing side, is new America now America. We want to expand the brand. So. Uh, We'll knock on your door soon, John, again, to see, yeah, Australia would be fun to do and uh, interesting to do. Now, so uh, traveling also to explore more fisheries, to increase the um, the amount of, uh, uh, of sustainable certified fisheries, fair trade. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, I want to make that, that, that impact. So, um, if we if we would I think we would focus on canned tuna, not that we only would sell canned tuna, but uh in this market I think where it's a fish product which is most consumed in the US, in the Netherlands, uh, in Germany it's the second or third product. So 
if we can make impact on canned tuna of, well, this can maybe canned tuna revolution from non-sustainable to sustainable tuna, that might be my mission for the next five to 10 years to really change that part of the world because it's so massively. And if we can change that and we can make the impact there, uh, we, we make huge steps. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's one of the, uh, of, of, of the main goals for me the next years. When I first met Bart Van Olfen years ago, I thought it was serendipitous that although unrelated, we should share the same business name from opposite sides of the world. As I got to know him, I realized that we also shared a love of seafood, driven by a desire to see as many people enjoying how delicious a food it is, and that by telling the story of the fishes, encouraging more people to ask where their fish comes from and how it was caught and by who, we would build businesses that would celebrate seafood first and foremost. Bart Van Olfen is an inspiration, a leader and a practical, sustainable seafood champion. He's also a great bloke to share a plate of fish, a glass of wine and a few fish tails with. This is Fish Tales, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtails Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.